1: in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're
0: listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have long to hear. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game
1: is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz.
0: And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to another episode of the Red Seat Podcast. This is a special episode. In fact, this is episode number 200 uh, here for the Red Seat. And to celebrate the occasion, it is myself, Matt Collins. And uh, for this one, I am joined by Shelly. But before we get into the good stuff, uh, we just want to take a brief second and uh, give you guys a message from one of our friends. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is 5th Element CBD. 5th Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. 5th Element, a.k.a. 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right, 50% off, half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. All right, so not only is this the 200th episode of the show, Uh, It also comes with some pretty big news. Um, Monday was a big day, not a surprising day. Um, Something that I think we've all sort of been expecting for a couple of years now, but uh, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you already know, Dustin Pedroia officially announced his retirement on Monday. Um, This has been speculated about, like I said, for years, but over the last few weeks um, when the 40-man crunch has been sort of coming into view a little bit more has been under the microscope. Pete Abraham had reported a few weeks ago that this was going to be resolved soon. And here we are. Um, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about the logistics side of it because that sort of feels like a disservice to Pedroia, what he meant to the franchise, but it's worth mentioning just quickly and then we can move on. Um, yes, this does clear a 40-man spot. Um, presumably it will go to one of Martin Perez, Garrett Richards, or Enrique Hernandez's um, you need spots for all three of those guys so somebody will one of those guys will probably fill that hole uh the other big question with this Petroya stuff in terms of what it means for present day has been the salary no he's not giving up his money um which obviously he should not um this is essentially the mechanics of it is essentially that he is being released and then retiring after he's being released which just means he's getting his salary it will count against the luxury tax uh, so no changes there but Like I said, I don't really think it's fair or right or anything to focus on anything like that because Dustin Pedroia is Dustin Pedroia. He's been the heart and soul of the franchise for 15 years now. Um, One of the greatest players in franchise history. I mean, we all know... The accolades at this point: rookie of the year, MVP, three-time champion, four-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove. Uh, baseball Reference calls him a two-time champion. I don't. I'm assuming they're not counting 2018, but I'm counting 2018. Uh, so three-time champion, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have anything to add, to that Shelly. There's really, it's hard to kind of boil down Dustin Pedroia into just a few seconds.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, when I was putting like the episode together and realized this it was episode 200, I felt a little like, oh, I should not be on this episode. But knowing that this is the Dust of Pejoria retirement episode, I guess I feel a little bit better about being on it. Um, uh, I, I, as you said, like this was kind of, kind of known for a bit. That this was happening um it it's 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 bittersweet um I I don't know I get I, I mean I guess we'll get into it um i I love the dude it was kind of coming. um but uh, I don't know I, I I still wanted him to get just one more a b for the fans that's that's kind of just kind of how I feel about today
0: yeah that was kind of my first reaction when i got the notification on my phone i mean david wright is the famous recent example of that similar situation in career got derailed by injuries uh, was on a hall of fame track and we'll get to the pedroia hall of fame stuff uh in a few minutes but um same sort of trajectory had the career derailed by injuries he was able to come back out for that one last at bat in front of the home fans um like you said i think we were all kind of hoping for that for pedroia um I think we all probably kind of knew that it wasn't going to happen. It just—it hasn't been in the cards for a few years now. Um, he's talked about the injury, how if he stands on his knee for like an hour, he has to—he like can't walk for a couple days. He has trouble walking up the stairs. I mean, it's—it's it's been a brutal injury, um, and it's—it's it's not fair that he didn't get that one at bat. I guess I—I I don't know that I would call this a consolation, but the thing about that, I don't really know the word, is that even if he did get one at bat this year, they may not have been fans uh, in the park anyways, and if there yeah. were, probably be like 25% or 50% capacity, um, so either way, he I guess he wasn't getting the goodbye he deserved, um, which like I said, that's not really a consolation, but it's, it's worth something, I guess, but um, yeah, I mean, it's... I guess I wasn't really expecting to feel... So emotional about it, um, because it's been coming for so long, but it still kind of it just it felt like a gut punch, for some reason.
1: Yeah, yeah, it it really did. Um, like I, I mean, I guess I kind of, I I became a Red Sox fan, uh, when Pedro Martinez was like in his primes. So what, early two thousands? Yeah, late uh, 90s, early two thousands. Yeah, and I mean I, I mean, I live in Virginia, so it's a tad bit different than living in like New England who is just like a a big Boston fan. So I'm kinda I feel like the redheaded stepchild <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to being a Red Sox fan. Um, but it really, really I really, really got into it when it was when it was Petey, when it was David Ortiz, it just everything. So just seeing that Petey um Retired um again. I knew it was coming, but uh, yeah, super gut punch. Just it just really, really, really sinks.
0: So I guess I mean the first order of business, presumably, um, is going to be retiring as number. I would think fifteen is going to go off in the rafters. Uh, the Red Sox have kind of broken from their rule about waiting for a guy to go in the Hall of Fame. Um, so I mean, if that rule is not in place i feel like but i mean it might be as soon as this year i i feel like they're not going to go much longer without not retiring his number
1: yeah yeah they 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 have to retire that number like it was like really interesting today like today like i put on just randomly because i work from home uh because of you know covid and stuff <laughs> i just randomly put on my pd jersey today and then just seeing that he retired today i'm like well that's Crush kind it. of weird i know yeah uh, so yeah, I mean, they have to retire 15. I, I don't know how they wouldn't.
0: Yeah, I've seen, I saw some people, um, not Red Sox fans, but from fan bases, from or people from other fan bases kind of surprised, um, that it seemed like such a short thing. And I think, I mean, I think there's two parts of it. One of it is, one part is just like the fact that he was like, what he meant emotionally and like spiritually or however you want to put it for the team as sort of that leader. Um, but I mean, I think, I think we kind of get lost or it gets lost that he was like really good. Like so much focus is put into his leadership ability and all these intangibles and all these things. And that's all well and good. It's all, it's all right. It's all fair. But I mean, he was a ridiculously good baseball player with some, ridiculous physical tools um and i mean he was one of i would probably say one of the 15 20 best players for the better part of a decade from like late 2000s to like the mid 2010s i mean he was so i think it just feels like it's gotten lost in sort of the mythical part of dustin Pedroya that he's i mean just in terms of talent he was uh he was good enough to have his number retired
1: um, 100% whether it was you know whether he was in the box whether he was in the field just everything that he did he was really good so I I would really want to talk with people who don't think that his number should be retired or anything he yeah, was just strange. exactly yeah
0: so I guess that is the a good transition then to the Hall of Fame case, I mean, that was, that that came up pretty quickly after this announcement um, whether or not he should be a Hall of Famer, um, which, I mean, that's natural. I was a little surprised by how many people who are really into the Hall of Fame stuff who did think he was a Hall of Famer. Um, I'm curious where you stand on his Hall of Fame case.
1: Yeah, I, I, I. Uh... I really, really like on the fence when it comes to Dustin Pejoria because I don't want to put like my Red Sox fandom <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it's glasses hard on. To
0: take that part out of it.
1: Exactly. So he really reminds me of like a Chase Utley, right? So, like, a really good second baseman. Like, super gritty. Super really into his team. So, Chase Utley was, like, with the Phillies. And it's really, really close for me. I still... Honestly, I still put both of those guys into the Hall of Fame. Because they really mean a lot to their team. Really mean a lot to their game at the time. But I can see where someone could really debate me on that as well but i i i put both of those guys both pd both chase Outley, into the hall of fame but i could see where you know you could not put them there
0: yeah i think unfortunately i think i am on the other side um I, i will say i have sort of fallen I would have loved with the hall of fame over the last oh, sure. five ten years. So I don't, yeah. I don't follow it that quickly. I don't, I like in terms of like comparisons with guys who are already in, um, I'm not super well versed in that sort of thing, but I, I don't think there's any question. He was on the hall of fame track. I mean, he was, he had a decade where he averaged, uh, five wins above replacement per season, by baseball reference i mean that is a hall of fame player it's just that those that those 10 years were his basically his entire career um he really only had one other season outside of that 2007-2016 stretch where he got to play any sort of significant time um so i mean i feel like he's sort of in that like david wright again probably not a hall of famer although i Maybe if I looked at his numbers, I would think differently. But I feel like in my head, he didn't play long enough. Um, Nomar, another guy like that, obviously um, had the talent, had the numbers um, just through no fault of his own. The injuries caught up with them. So I guess that's why I said I was kind of surprised because I had always just assumed that everybody thought that Pedroia was a little bit short. But I mean, I've seen... Like I said, I've seen people who I know are, like, really into the Hall of Fame, and they're not even Red Sox fans, Um, and they have said so. So maybe he has a better case than I think. I mean, certainly if you value peak, he has that. Um, I just, to me it feels like the injuries, if he had gotten injured a year and a half later, um, I think he has a better case. But, I mean, whether he's in the Hall of Fame or he just misses, um, I mean, this isn't, This obviously isn't a case of, I don't know, Dan Heron or like one of those guys who's on the the ballot because he played 10 years but not really a Hall of Fame-type player. Pedroia was a Hall of Fame-caliber player whose timing, whose injury timing just, and I mean, the elephant in the room, obviously, is Manny Machado, um, forever an enemy of Red (laughs) Sox fans for that slide. Um, But, I mean, I just, it feels like that... If like I said, if that had happened in like 2019, I think he's probably in. But at this point, it feels like he was he's just short, which is just I mean, it's kind of the theme of his career. It's the unfairness we talked about the at bat. Um, a lot of people have brought up today that he was exactly a 300 career hitter uh, before playing those nine games between 2018 and 2019 when he's trying to come back. Um, that knocked yeah. his career average down to two ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I mean, the last four or five years of his career has just been one dagger, one unfair thing after another.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting case whenever he does come up for the Hall of Fame. Um, and I'm not going to poo-poo on anyone who doesn't say that he's a Hall of Famer because of many a reason. Um, but, yeah, there's just... Uh, yeah, whenever it comes to PD, it's just like all of these injuries in the late career that just is a, you know, a gut punch, you know, knife to the stomach kind of whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, second base is such a, it's such a brutal position.
1: Um, it really is.
0: There was a, a tweet from Alex Spear uh, earlier today talking about uh, second base and talking with Pedroia about how tough the position is in um he has a quote from a story from 2016 talking about that, which is before the injury caught up with him. But he basically said, like, he knows that it's tough. And uh, his quote is like, trust me, I could take it easy out there. Oh, lay some double plays. We'd lose the game. But guess what? I'd play another five years. Uh, you want me to do that? No, we're here to win. So you got to hang in there and turn double plays. It's part of the job. Um, I mean, that quote kind of sums up Pedroia. And unfortunately, it was like a year later where yeah. he was turning a double play, and it, it happened, and it cut his career short probably by five years. Yeah. It's, it's it's tough, but, I mean, that was, I mean, like he said in the quote, there was no way he wasn't going to hang in there for every double play.
1: Yeah, I just, ugh. That that quote, yeah, that's definitely Petey right there.
0: So what, looking back to watching Pedroia, um, watching his career unfold, is there anything in particular about his game on the field? One aspect, one tool, one just one part of his game that sticks out above everything else?
1: Um, for me, it's definitely it's definitely going to be the defense. I, I don't recall a second baseman um, that has ever played defense as well as he has. Um, I, I think, I think if I remember correctly, I think that he played tennis in like high school or something and I I can, yeah. And I could definitely see those motions, um, in his defense because whenever a ball or whenever a, you know, ball was pitched, a ball was hit or whatever, he did like this little like jump, like this tennis jump to get, yes, to get ready. And I, I I'm just trying to think about like second baseman now. I don't really recall anyone who really does that. He was always ready for any type of defensive thing. He did that little jump. He was just always gets to the ball. So it will always be the defense for me um, when it comes to PD. I mean, above just his gamer mentality. And I guess maybe it's part of just his gamer mentality. I don't know. It's just he was always ready for whatever was coming. Whether it was you know uh, uh, a ball that was going to be hit a ball was, you know a ball thrown is going to be a ball, whatever. He was always into the game and I will forever miss his, um, his defense.
0: Yeah, I mean I usually... I usually try to shy away from sort of saying, like, somebody that I grew up with is, like, the best ever, and I'm never going to see anybody like him. But with Pedroia's defense at second, it sort of feels that way. Um, If for no other reason than shifting is kind of taking second face out of the equation as a premium position. Um, I mean, we're seeing big, like, Mike Mustakas guys, Michael Chavis, uh, those time, kinds of players being shifted over there. And so it's not the same position it was when Pedroia was there, but you see when he played um, what kind of impact it can have um, when you have a guy like that. And you can, low, you can still have the two players on the other side of the infield against the lefty and be able, know that Pedroia is going to cover that ground. And, um, I mean, specifically with his defense – the way he turned double plays was remarkable. I mean, it, part of it was the toughness that we were t- just talking about, where he was going to stay in no matter um, where he's going to slide or who's sliding in, spikes up, whatever. He wasn't he wasn't going to bail out of any double play. But it was also just the mechanics of it and the physical tools that he had. I mean, the combination of footwork at the base. The quickest hands I think I've ever seen with an infielder I mean the speed at which he would get a ball in his glove and into his throwing hand and out of his hand um it was insane and then he had a rocket for an arm at second base which is not something you see at that position especially a guy with his size so I mean you throw all of that together and he turned every single double play and that's something that I think I mean I'll speak for myself I don't think I value that enough in a second baseman. I mean, when we're talking about these guys moving from other positions, and you can just stick them there because of the shift, and I mean, that's fine, but then when it comes to turning a double play, that is a very specific skill set that can, I mean, over the course of a season, that can change that can change games, that can change a season in a close race. Um, So, I mean, I think for me, digging specifically, it would probably be his double play and then, I mean, I think if you look at the offense, um, his swing is, like, one of the ugliest swings I think I've ever seen. <laughs> but it's also, like, in its own way, it's just its own Pedroia way, just, like, this beautiful, violent, uppercut swing, a bat that is, like, three sizes too big for him, um, and just hitting it. I mean, he could hit a pitch at his eyes and just, like, rocket it off the monster. Um, so, I mean, I think for me it will be those two things, the double plays and the swing.
1: Yeah yeah I just yeah, when you brought up the the bat and that swing and it was just like he was kind of he was kind of made for Fenway Park, just everything about him, just his grittiness, his roughness, um, his swing, his swagger, just everything like he was just made for Boston and <sighs> yeah yeah,
0: yeah for sure yeah. Um, and then off the field. Pedroya, I mean, this was. Pedroya's heyday was when I was, like, late teens, late high school, early college. Um, and for that age, Pedroya's quotes, I mean, he was a swearing machine. He didn't <laughs> care about anybody. Um, I don't know. I have a few favorite quotes. I don't know if you have any uh, before I get into a few of mine. Bobby, I
1: mean, I'm going to. I mean, I'm sure you'll probably bring up the Jeff uh, Francis. Jeff
0: Francis, yeah. That's... Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I, I went a little bit like, um, I don't know. I saw this one today where he was talking with like David Ortiz. Um, and apparently Ortiz didn't know that his name was not Pee Wee. <laughs> yes yeah and he was like basically talking on the field and being like you thought my parents would name me being Wee." <laughs> yeah. it's just like and him going back and forth with like you know big poppy you know saying like yeah my parents did not name me Wee. my name is <laughs> dustin and it's just like and I could see from both sides where maybe Ortiz just maybe just didn't realize or didn't care or whatever is his name is. I, I don't know. I just I just kind of like got um, I think with like he, they were like roasting David Ortiz like when his retirement or something. But I just saw yeah like I think this, that's what it was. Yeah, it was just, like, this video and I was just, like, cracking up today and I'm just, like, gosh, I love this because it brings, I guess it brings in, like, David Ortiz plus Dustin Pejoria's, like, just kind of, like, persona but like you why would you think my parents <laughs> rename me bleeping peewee like i just love it
0: <laughs> yeah it, it, that is like the perfect double whammy because that is it's extremely patroon and it's also extremely david ortiz just like totally exactly. in his own world yeah um, yeah and you mentioned the jeff francis one uh, that that's always gonna be like my all-time favorite quote from any athlete walking into uh course field for the world series uh the security guard doesn't know who he is he asked for a he asked for an id and pedroia just walks by him and turns around and says ask jeff francis who the fuck i am and like two days after he hit a home <laughs> run off of him uh and then the other one is uh a few years after he signed his extension um like right after cano signed his big contract in seattle and it was so clear that pedroia um his deal was so below market and so some uh one, some reporter asked him um if he regretted signing the deal for so cheap and he just was like he just like was got really like incredulous it was like are you kidding me dude like i am rich like are you serious <laughs> that is like yes. that is that is Dustin Pedroia
1: yeah yeah um,
0: so last thing on Pedroia and then we'll move on to uh, a few things with the current day Red Sox but a lot of people have been asking this question about uh, Pedroia after baseball We should mention he did have a press conference uh, Monday afternoon, and this obviously came up. Um, It's hard to imagine he won't be involved in baseball at some point uh, in his retirement. This is a guy who lived across the street from Fenway, so he could see when the doors would open, so he could go get there as soon as possible. I mean, this guy is not somebody who's going to be able to live without baseball, but at the same time, he's. He said he's gonna take some time off. He has he has young kids. Um I think one of his kids is like six. I don't know if that's older or younger. Um, but obviously he wants to be with them as they're growing up and he said himself it wouldn't be fair to them uh, to go right into like coaching or anything like that. Um so that makes sense. But at some point I imagine he's gonna do something. So I mean, do you see a coaching career or anything around baseball like that for him? Anything in particular?
1: Uh yeah, um, <laughs> I I do think that he's going to be a coach at some point because, I mean, he just seems so in love with baseball. I don't know how we could really get him, you know, off the field. I mean, I've seen, like, some people maybe think that he could probably be a, a broadcaster and I would love to see him in the booth. I just think that he wants to be with the guys on the field, whether it's in the dugout uh, maybe a coach, something. I, I just don't know if we're going to get him um, in the booth. But I do think that he'll be a coach.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right. Um, mostly because, like you said, he wants to be on the field around the players. I mean, that's that's kind of what he lives for. Um, but I will say, selfishly, I, my dream would be for him to be a broadcaster. Um, just sort of picturing the torch being passed from Jerry Remy to Dustin Pedroia seems too good to be true. It is probably too good to be true. Um, But yeah, I think, I think he could be a coach. It's always interesting with coaching because it's harder than it would seem for a great player to be a good coach because there are times when, and this is any sport, this isn't just baseball where you have like an all time great player trying to coach and it just, doesn't work because they don't understand how people can't be as good as them. And like, yep. they have so much natural talent that it doesn't translate. And like I've said this before, I think Pedro, I think we sort of understate Pedroya's natural talent. I think he has some, uh, Brian McPherson was talking about this today. is like his, his eyesight might be the best in baseball when he was playing. I mean, he has the physical tools, but um, I, I, I don't really see that being a problem translating into coaching for him.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because not only it's because of his natural talent, it's also his uh, just how he can really get people and get players to just be their best, just be a really good coach, right? So I I do think that he could be, uh, yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I would love to see him in the booth because I just think that he would just be just so awesome just to listen to what he thinks about during a game. But I just don't think that we can get him off the dirt.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And I remember, um, I remember what year this was, 2016, 2017, um, uh, David Price was here, um, he would talk about Pedroia was like a pitching coach on the field when Pedro when, uh, Price was pitching Pedroia would just like come to the mound and, uh, tell him if his mechanics are off or tell him if he's tipping his pitches and things like that so um he's already been coaching through his career yeah i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're hear us in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void work prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions supply. All right, so that's that's Dustin Pedroia. There's not enough that can be said about him, and we certainly haven't covered everything. Uh, but we are going to move on now to some things with the Red Sox players on the roster right now. Uh, we're, we, we'll start with uh, Adam on uh, a and Keaton... Uh, we talked about it last week, but we haven't had a chance to talk about the very surprising trade with the Yankees. Uh, first time since Steven Drew, I believe the second time since like 1997. Uh, Red Sox traded uh, basically nothing for Adam Modifito and prospect uh, Frank Hermann. Um, so what were, what were your thoughts on that one?
1: Uh, well, my initial thoughts was like, what the what? <laughs> uh, when I saw that come over, um, uh, you know, on my phone, the, the trade. Um, but then I was like, heck yeah, I'm all for it. Um, I wanted the Red Sox to sign Ottavino when he was a free agent, what, two years ago? Um, when he was a free agent. Um, so, yeah, um, I really, really liked it. Um, I, I don't know what it really does with our pen because our pen is kind of righty heavy. But, um, I really don't care i i I like Ottavino. I've loved him when he was in Colorado um you know, just like I said, I was wanting us to sign him at the time when he was a free agent, so I'm totally for it. I love it um I don't care if it costs money. I think that he's gonna be a really awesome um addition to the bullpen,
0: yeah. I- I, I'm mostly with you. Um, I'm actually not too worried about the righty-heavy stuff. Um, I'm probably to a fault at this point over the last couple of years. I've been much higher on Red Sox relievers than I probably should have been. Um, <laughs> but Darwins and Hernandez and Josh Taylor are both guys that I'm fairly confident in, so I think I think they should be all right from the left side. Um, but, yeah, about this trade specifically... I think it's hard to complain about it. Um, I think it's great that they're using their financial muscle here. Um, to, I mean, not only to get Adevino, but to get Herman. Who, I mean, I'm not crazy about uh, Frank Herman. I think he's probably a reliever. I don't think he's some sort of stud prospect, but he adds some pitching depth that's not super far away. Um, and it just costs you taking on Adevino's contract and then Adevino. Free agent at the end of the year, I know his ERA was bad last year, but a lot of that was inflated by one uh, bad outing, so I'm not super concerned about that. You could flip him for another prospect midseason if you aren't in it, or hopefully if you are in it, you could keep him around for the run, stretch run. Um, I think the only potential downside you could say about this trade is if they are looking at the luxury tax as essentially a hard cap Um Adevino kind of gets you close to capping out um, with Adevino on the payroll. They're somewhere around eight to ten million away from the luxury tax threshold, so that's not a ton to play around with. Especially, we'll talk about Jackie Bradley Jr. in a minute, but um, I mean that's the big downside, I guess, is it might take you out of that race. But I think. Other than that, I'm not super concerned about that. I think there's enough upside here in the prospect and in potentially flipping Ottavino or just having a really good reliever in the back end. I was, I was with you. I really wanted them to sign him a couple years ago too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to watch him and Matt Barnes late in games walk like six batters for nine innings but also strike out like 40% each.
1: Yeah, I just hope that Matt Barnes and Adam Adovino are on the opposite sides of their up-and-down part of the season, so <laughs> we can get just one good elite reliever. Uh, but yeah, you did mention the, the the luxury tax thing, and I did think about that as well. And when I saw that we traded for Adovino after I was excited, I'm like, oh, this probably puts us out um of the j b j situation, especially when I saw that you know the Red sox obviously were taking a lot of that contract uh, so that 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 makes me sad but uh yeah i i am still okay with the out of here th- thing and then getting uh you know Herman, who is an interesting most likely reliever type of guy i'm I'm fine with it
0: um so i you kind of mentioned it with Barnes and Odovino both kind of being streaky guys Um, and Barnes specifically I mean I like to fashion myself as the number one Matt Barnes expert in the world Barnes always I feel like is good for like four and a half months out of the season but has six weeks where he's absolutely unusable Uh, so like you said Odovino as long as Odovino doesn't also become unusable at that same time they should be all right but how how comfortable are you Generally, with the bullpen, and more specifically looking at the ninth inning, um, just on the guys who they have now.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the bullpen is well. It's definitely much better than last year. Um, but High when bar. it comes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, uh, but when it comes to Barnes and Adavino, like their their control, like you never really know what you're going to get with every outing so it could be you know really really great or you know cover your eyes i need to turn off this game right now because it's going to get really bad um so i do think that it's going to be very up and down um i kind of would like to know your thoughts who they are going to put a closer honestly i think that they're going to tandem barnes and Ottavino.
0: yeah i think they're going to try to Define somebody, sure. um. Because I mean, a couple years ago when Cora was the manager, they tried that sort of undefined thing with Matt Barnes, sort of being the high leverage guy, and he would just face the heart of the order every time out. Um, and he was great for like the first two months or so, but that I mean, that's just too taxing, and Matt Barnes isn't that guy. I mean, that's like a Josh Hader kind of role. That's for like the top like three or four relievers in the league and as much as like matt barnes he's not that guy so i do think that core is going to want to try to avoid that and just get a guy for the ninth um my guess is it would be barnes to start um largely just due to that familiarity um he's been with the team for a while Uh, but i think i do think they're going to bring in one more arm a cheap a cheap guy. I don't think they're going to bring in like Alex Colomay or somebody, a proven closer um, or anything like that, but maybe bring back Brandon Workman or someone of that tier. And then I think, like I said, they'll probably start with Barnes as the closer, but I would sort of expect them to just play the hot hand. Um, and I mean, it might even be somebody like Darwin's and Hernandez who maybe by July he's just absolutely cruising and he gets the ninth. So I think we're going to see a lot of shuffling uh in the ninth which is a little scary but i mean there's upside there's upside with barnes there's upside with Ottavino. there's upside with uh darwin's and hernandez um so i mean it's you, you can't bank on anybody being at their peak all the time but if things break right it could work
1: yeah i totally agree
0: um, so then moving to the outfield, uh, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but I'm guessing you think that Jackie Bradley Jr. is probably not coming back?
1: As much as it really makes me sad, I, I, I don't think so. Um, like I said, with the Adovino, uh situation, I just kind of think that we priced ourselves out of the JBJ thing. Um, I mean, I think the Mets or the Astros or really any other team that needs some outfield help will probably uh, pay him more and pay him what he deserves than kind of what the Red Sox are kind of doing. Um, so yeah, I think JBJ is probably going to be somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and it definitely hurts both because, I mean, obviously Bradley was just such a fun player watch and fun player root for um and also he just seemed like such a perfect fit for this roster in a weak center field market and they need a center fielder or at least an outfielder somebody who can play right and they need somebody good if they're gonna put verdugo in center um but part of the reason i wasn't super upset about the Otavino trade probably pricing them out is that i had kind of i've kind of assumed that bradley was gonna go to the mets uh, basically, since they traded for Lindor, um, I figured that trading for Lindor and um, at some point they're probably going to extend him, I figured that took them out of the George Springer sweepstakes, which pushed them down to Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, so I've been just kind of assuming that was going to happen at some point. So, But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I would be very surprised at this point if he comes back, um, which I mean, then kind of pushes to the next question which is so what do, if not jackie bradley jr where do they go
1: Oy. this yeah, is where it gets really icky yeah um <laughs> i mean and if they are looking to maybe get like a better bench option than uh in the outfield other than like yara Munoz or someone like that you could possibly do Albert or Mora or Jake Marensic just for the glove. But outside of that, I don't really know where we would go for the outfield.
0: Yeah, it's it's an ugly, ugly market this year. Um, yeah. Yeah, Mora and Marisnick, To me, I feel like, I, I think that's realistic. I wouldn't be surprised if they do it. But if I were in charge, to me, at that point... I wouldn't, I don't think they're worth the 40 man spot. Um, maybe if you can get them on a minor league deal in camp. And then once you put like Chris sale on the 60 day IL, um, other injuries pop up, it becomes a little bit easier. I don't really know that I would like to guarantee them a spot right now, but like, like you said, there aren't any other options. I feel like the only other major league, the guy, only other guy can give a roster spot to other than Bradley would be Kevin Pillar. Um, and that, I guess, would be fine, but it's not really something that's exciting to me. Um, I think the way that I would go, and it doesn't seem like this is something the Red Sox have been considering, but I would just start looking for cheap second baseman and make Kike uh, Hernandez a full-time outfielder. Um, whether you want to put him in center with Verdugo and right or swap them, I don't think there's a major difference difference either way um the Dodgers obviously had both those guys I believe they put Hernandez in center field most of the time but um I mean at Fenway they're basically two center fields so <laughs> I think you can get away with that defensively I think you could then platoon Benintendi and Renfro to start the year and then if Benintendi gets hot and uh doesn't need to be platooned anymore you can start using Renfro elsewhere maybe put Hernandez in the infield more, but then I think there's more of those cheap options at second base than there are in the outfield. Um, I mean, guys like Jason Kipnis, um, Hanser Alberto was a guy that I would have looked at. He signed a minor league deal um, yesterday, I believe. I would have given him like a million dollar deal uh, to play second base. I mean, Kipnis, Joe Panik, um I mean, there's guys out there that you can get for like two million dollars, and I think that makes it easier to build a lineup that if you're going with like you like you were talking about with an Albert Almora um, or Jake Marisnick but it seems like I mean it seems like they have their heart set on Hernandez as a second baseman which I mean he's a very good second baseman so it's hard to complain about that it just the outfield picture just gets rough <laughs> without Jackie Bradley uh,
1: yeah it, yeah definitely I mean maybe i put like Jonathan Scope. Um, out there as well at second base yeah
0: yeah
1: uh, yeah he had a pretty good uh year with uh detroit um last year and he's been you know decent you know when he was in baltimore but uh yeah i mean i haven't thought about the second base thing uh but yeah it gets kind of it gets kind of sketchy <laughs> um bats. with 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 bats um here late in the free agent you know, off season stuff.
0: Yeah. This is, what, this is what happens when you wait until February to make these decisions. Yep. Um, any other spots on the roster uh, you think they could be looking at other than maybe another closer type or reliever type or an outfielder?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I was just like looking at, you know, roster resource and just seeing just all of the right handers um, in the bullpen. Um, currently they only have Durin's and Hernandez. Um.
0: Oh yeah, they don't have Josh Taylor in there.
1: Yeah, I know. Like, when you, when you I mentioned Josh Taylor that. earlier. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, maybe he could be there. Um, so I was looking at like left-handed relievers. Um, I don't know about Sean Doolittle. I like Sean Doolittle as a person. I yeah, just I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know how well he can still pitch. Um. But I mean, maybe him, maybe Tony Watson, maybe Justin Wilson, just to get another lefty in there. I don't know. What are your thoughts on those baby three guys?
0: Yeah, I think, I think that could make sense. Um, it would probably, I and mean, obviously, depend on the contract. Um, I don't know. Again, it's not even for me. It's not even about the money. It's really about the forty man spot. Yep. And so I think I would probably like looking for a lefty, but I would want to look for somebody who might take a non-roster invite. Um, I don't know. I'm just looking at the list of free agents. I have no idea what these guys might be looking for, but like uh, <laughs> Tony Singrani who I totally forgot about, but apparently he's still pitching. Um, Jose Alvarez has been a pretty good lefty um, earlier in his career. Uh, I have no idea what Francisco Liriano is up to these days. I feel like he's definitely not pitching anymore. He probably should be on this list. <laughs> um, but like one of those veteran guys um, on a non-roster deal. I just I don't know that I want I would want to give a forty-man spot to anybody who I didn't think could compete for a closer role. That's of fair. This roster.
1: That's fair. Totally fair.
0: Um, I think the one spot that I would probably be looking at beyond what we already talked about would be a left-handed bat. Uh, for the bench Mm -hmm. um they don't have anybody that hits from the left side on the bench um i don't like the only guy that might be a possibility would be like josh occamy and i certainly i don't think that they're planning on putting him in the on the major league roster um so i mean i think i think mitch Moreland probably makes the most sense um yeah he has a familiarity He's shown that he can play that part-time role. He's been a good pinch hitter, um, which is sort of an underrated skill set that's harder than it seems, um, and he has the leadership qualities to help a guy like Bobby Dahlbeck and uh, maybe a guy like Tristan Casas in camp, uh, depending what spring training looks like and how many people are going to be there. Um, and he could play, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't want it to be a straight platoon. I would want Bobby Dahlbeck to be getting a lot of at-bats, but... Um, get him in sometimes against tough righties. If Dalbeck is a couple of bad games in a row, give him a day off. You have Mitch Moreland there. Uh, so I think somebody like that, um, other people have pointed to Brad Miller, um, as somebody they would like in that role because of the versatility, uh, Derek Dietrich sort of fits that mold as well. Um, I don't think he's signed yet. So I think, a, I think a left-handed bat would be helpful. Oh, Travis Shaw. I believe they've been talking to Travis Shaw as well. Um, But I I do think they need somebody on the bench who can come in and face a tough righty late in the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good point. I would love to see uh, Moreland, uh, you know. I I just – I liked him when he was, you know, with the Red Sox, just hitting all those doubles, you know. Um, And, you know, if you bring back Travis Shaw, sure. Why not at this point, you know, just – but yeah, I I do think that uh, now that you pointed that out, yeah, we do need uh, yeah, we do need a, a lefty on that bench.
0: Yeah, and probably somebody plays first base is probably the best. I mean, I, Moreland just to me just makes too much sense. The Red Sox love yeah. Mitch Moreland. Uh, Mitch Moreland does love playing in Boston. It'd probably be like a one year contract for like one and a half million dollars. Um, it seems surprising that they're really talking to anybody else, but that's. Yeah. The way it goes. Uh, so, last last thing before we get into listener questions is with Pedroia retiring, there are still two forty man spots at least that need to be opened up. Um, so, I mean, this seems to be like a weekly game at this point. But uh, who who is on the chopping block? Do you think?
1: Um. I guess, like, the first person that I put on my list here is Marcus Wilson. Um, And just because I I just don't know, but I guess it kind of depends on what the team kind of thinks about, like, their outfield depth there. Um, But maybe Chris Mazza, Jeffrey Springs, Marcus Walden maybe could be on the chopping block. Uh, Those were kind of, like, the the guys that I kind of – put on there that might be you know feeling the heat a little bit
0: yeah I think that makes sense um Mazza I think would surprise me a little bit um he was all right as starter depth last year but he certainly isn't like you don't you don't like protect him at all costs or anything like that um (laughs) I think Marcus Wilson is an interesting one I don't think they would outright cut him or DFA him but I think he could be a guy that they look at a C.J. Chatham, Yohan Ibar type deal. Um, hmm. Like you said, it comes down to what they think about outfield depth and who they think might be out there as like a potential minor league signing like they did. Uh, Cesar Pueyo is back, and they signed him last year for that purpose as well. Um, so if they see somebody else like that out there, Wilson could become expendable. Um, I think if I had to pick two that I think would be most likely... Just not even, not, uh, we won't talk about potential trades like a Benintendi or Chavis because that gets, it's a Tartoy will be here all day. Um, <laughs> but I think Walden is mm-hmm. probably one. I don't feel great about it. I think you, you and I were big on Walden coming into last season. Yeah. yeah that did not, that did not work out. Whoops. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to give people the benefit of the doubt for last season it was such a weird year but Walden just looked like totally lost yeah he um, did. the other guy I think might be that you didn't mention is uh, Joel Piamps. Um, they claimed him off waivers in November um, he seems like a guy that you could try to sneak through again um, he does provide some innings so that's a risk in terms of starting pitching depth um, but I think if you like Maza, and I'm sort of a Jeffrey Springs guy and so far as that's a thing that exists and so the options start running thin so I think that's probably where I would go is Walden and Pyamps but I think that's it, it's really crowded in all these areas
1: agreed totally agree like I thought about putting Pyamps in there but I'm like well they just kind of signed up but uh yeah I could see where he could they could try to sneak him through
0: yeah, it's, it's tough, and it's all about timing, too, and who has open spots, and, yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. All right, I just got a few questions uh, for this one before we finish up. Uh, existential Judge red has a couple of questions. Uh, first, is Kike Hernandez, uh, f- do you see him full-time second base, full-time center field, or Brock Holt-esque super utility guy?
1: Um, I guess if I had to pick one, I'd put full-time second base um but maybe full-time second base slash utile guy because i do think that he'll give maybe some other guys some days off but i do think that he's going to be the everyday second baseman
0: yeah i think so too i don't like that very much i think one of the thing i think i think the reason kike hernandez would be a good signing is if you're playing him all over the place that's sort of the appeal to me but um, Ken Rosenthal reported after he signed that he wanted to go somewhere that was going to play him every day at one position. And so, I mean, that's the only way you can get him. That's the only way you can get him. And you kind of got to stick to your word at that point or else you're looking bad for future free agents. So I'm expecting him to be a full-time second baseman. Um, that's probably, if I were listing those in order of my preference, that would probably last on the list. But um, that would be my expectation. And then, uh, do you think the Red Sox will go over that luxury tax threshold this year?
1: I don't think so. Definitely not this year. Um, After they got under it and just, you know, how 2020 was just super poopy. (laughs) (laughs) I I, uh, I just, I don't think they're going to do it.
0: I don't think so either, but I think there is there is i've seen some people make an interesting case and i don't think it's crazy that they might go a little bit over it um to start the season because the luxury tax isn't calculated until the end of the year's payroll um and so the logic would be if they go i i mean i certainly don't think they're gonna blow blow by it but if they go over it by a couple million dollars um if they're bad they can make a few trades out of vino barnes um eduardo rodriguez if it doesn't look like a extension is going to happen there um and then they would get below it and it wouldn't count as going over the threshold and then if they were good then they wouldn't really care and they would be willing to pay that to go to the playoffs i i don't i'm not sure i'm banking on that but i think that's i think that's within the realm of possibility with this ownership group as much as i like to uh trash them whenever i get the opportunity i i do think that they would be willing to go over it um and that sort of seems like a middle ground where you can get under it if things go south but if they're going well you can stay over and feel okay about it
1: yeah yeah i mean i mean that's a that's a totally fair point um like you said like i i sometimes like to trash the ownership group but they do spend money when they feel that they can kind of be competitive so yeah
0: it's just a question I, of if you can be competitive this year, and that's a tough sell. Yeah. Um. All right, Angel Rondon has a couple of questions to end us. Um, he's asking about Roberto Osuna. I think we can both agree that we want no part of that. Exactly. Um, but Ken Giles, I think, is a more palatable choice, um, at least from a personal standpoint. Uh, Ken Giles is not going to pitch this year. Um, he just had surgery at the end of last season but uh, Angel Rendon is asking about a cheap two-year deal to get him in for 2022. Uh, would that be something you'd consider?
1: Um, I guess it depends on what he means by cheap. Yeah, cheap uh, is sort of
0: a loaded term that
1: Exactly. Um, I mean, I, I, I like Ken Giles for a while, um, so... I guess it kind of depends on what you mean by cheap but sure i'd be willing to give him a kind of a two-year deal and kind of hope for that 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 last year that he could be pretty good in the bullpen
0: yeah me too i've always been a ken giles guy um the dodgers did something similar with uh tommy conley this year uh with a two-year deal where one of them he was gonna be injured the whole time i don't remember the terms of the deal but i think you could probably get giles a little bit cheaper um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's worth considering. Like you said, it totally depends on what cheap means here. I don't think they're going to give them, like, a $10 million guarantee or anything like that for next year. But if you can get them for a couple million dollars, I think it's worth the investment.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh,
0: and then Angel's last question, pretty pretty simple one. Scale of 1 to 10, how surprised would you be if the Red Sox paid the playoffs this year? And we will, let's just assume the normal 10-team, uh, playoff field, no expanded playoffs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was just about to ask, I'm like, are we talking about expanded (laughs) playoffs here or what? Um I would be about a seven that they would make the playoffs in just like a regular year.
0: Yeah, I think I was thinking seven or eight, so I'll I'll go eight to change it up a little bit. Just it's not even just them Um, I mean, other than the Orioles, the division is tough. (laughs) The Blue Jays are really good. Um, I think their pitching is better than some people are giving it credit for. I really like uh, Nate Pearson and Hyunjin Ryu. Um, Their lineup is obviously great. I think the Rays have gotten a little bit worse, but there's a long way for them to fall where they're not still very good. Um, So, I mean, the Red Sox not only have their own issues to deal with, but they're going to be playing the Rays and the Yankees and the Blue Jays a lot and it's just that seems like a tough mountain to
1: climb a hundred percent the 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 Blue Jays absolutely scream scare me this year uh, just what they've done from their offense and their pitching is is pretty good so yeah the Blue Jays scare me so outside of the extended playoffs I don't I I'm not looking forward to playing yeah. in the A-East.
0: <laughs> basically everything we need to go to the red Sox way
1: uh for yeah. them to make the playoffs exactly
0: all right so that is going to do it for episode number 200 we hope you enjoyed the show if you did please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts uh give us a review give us a five-star rating uh tell your friends tell a stranger send an email to a random email address uh just tell some people about us uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Shelly at at V underscore 643. You can read our writing at OverTheMonster.com. Um, we get prospect voting going on twice a week. We get our series preview, our season preview series just started this week where we go through everybody in the 40 man. We get a bus and Bunch of Dustin Pedroya stuff, including a new t shirt from Breaking Tea on the site. Uh, so definitely check that out at overthemonster.com and uh, join us next week.